Hey there, folks. Welcome to episode 97 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. This is the show for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants ideas and maybe a little burst of inspiration to help you raise more money and enjoy your job. And this time I'm sharing my second conversation with the brilliant Kieran Biggins. So if you work for or run a small charity and you'd like some fundraising examples and ideas, or regardless of the size of your charity, you'd just like to hear an effective way of helping your colleagues resist distractions and stay focused on the sources of fundraising most likely to bring results, then I hope you're going to find this an interesting listen. As I explained in episode 96, Kieran is an experienced corporate fundraiser who a decade ago decided to do something different and set up a social enterprise himself. Ten years on, MindFood, based in Ealing in London, still thrives, using the power of gardening and horticulture to help people improve their mental health and well-being. In this conversation, Kieran shares a range of tips for fundraising for a small charity, including a tool he used to increase their success rate with trusts and foundations, some shortcuts for finding funders, and the power of partnering with established organisations. So let's get to it. Here's my most recent interview with Kieran. Hey there, Kieran. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Rob. Good to be back. Thank you so much. So the listener may or may not have listened to your original episode where we were looking at some things you did at a fairly small charity, Mind Food, that you had taken in many cases from your previous fundraising background as a corporate fundraiser at larger charities and if they haven't listened to that I recommend they go and check it out because there was really juicy examples of how some of those techniques helped you raise more for your small organization but for today I know you've got some more things to share just before that really top line what is mind food and what's the very top line uh, background to it getting set up? So MindFood's a healing-based charity that supports people with mental health issues to recover through gardening, creativity and mindfulness. So we were originally set up as a, a social enterprise that had quite a big focus on trading. So we would sell produce through veg boxes and market stalls. And the idea was that participants struggling with their mental health would be very much involved in every element of the organization building confidence building social connection and building well-being for the last eight years we we've uh, operated more like a charity and converted to a charity three years ago and we run a range of courses that combine psychoeducation uh, which is a fancy word for things like mindfulness and the five ways to well-being with learning how to grow organic food. So, Kieran, the truth is all fundraisers are under some pressure. The stakes are high as to whether you do manage to bring in the money that pays for the services of the research or not. And yet that does feel even more tough, I think, if you're a tiny charity, because probably you've only got some hours per week to do fundraising, because on the other hand, you've got to liaise with the board or do the recycling or whatever i'm curious as to how you manage the the pressures of those stakes being high that you couldn't afford many fails or many misses and how you prioritized certain income streams yeah so i think i think the key to this is around focus and it's something that we talk about with your coaches on the corporate mastery program 
where we look at coming up with a dream 10 corporate partnership list. It, it's, it's a very similar principle. Um, and for me, the key thing was to develop a sort of scoring criteria that would enable me to quickly hone in on the funders where I was most likely to have success for Mind Food. And this is an idea, actually, I learned when I was at the NSPCC. I mean, the corporate partnerships team, we, we had a scoring criteria that helped us narrow down a corporate pipeline of 500 companies down to a much smaller amount that we wanted to kind of focus on. That sounds really like an interesting thinking tool, Kieran. So what was that basic tool? Yeah, so essentially it's a scoring criteria where you have a bunch of trusts and foundations or a bunch of corporates and you run the scoring criteria against each of those different uh, organisations. So the the criteria can can vary depending on, on your situation, but typically I use something like strategic fit, value, warmth of relationship, um, the capacity for you to apply and the capacity for you to deliver. And you score each of your organisations out of five against those five criteria. And then that helps you prioritise your high priority prospects, your medium and your low. And it just gives you the, well, both you, but also if you're reporting to your line manager or your wider team or your board, a bit of science behind where you're focusing your efforts. Yeah, and I'm already thinking one of the biggest stresses that corporate fundraisers say to me and, and to an extent major donor fundraisers and trusts is they say now and again they get one of those emails because the chair was at a garden party with so-and-so and now they're expected to drop all of their strategic work and spend the next three weeks applying for something or other. And in their gut, they sort of know that it doesn't make sense. But the other person is A, politically important in the charity or B, so enthusiastic and persuasive yeah, but it's worth £500,000. Yeah. And they get pulled along with that. And it seems to me that the more a fundraiser decides on and practices their equivalent to this system, it won't entirely take away these wild goose chases. But it, I think having that tool increases your ability to have a conversation with your colleagues about what is and isn't sensible to spend your time on. I think that's such a good point. And it just reminds me of so many conversations I've had where, you know, we've, we've been, there's the potential to go on that wild goose chase. And actually by having a scoring criteria in place, it helps you to have those difficult conversations because you can say, we've run it through our system. It sounds like a really interesting opportunity, but it isn't a high priority. Um, so it gives you that kind of credibility to, to diplomatically handle um conversations where people are trying to get you to maybe pursue a lead that you don't think is really actually the best use of your time. Yeah. And even even that's another thing that occurs to me. Part of the difficulty is the internal conversations. It's also true. I think one of the hardest things for fundraisers is we're so conscious of the need for money, especially in the early days, or especially when we're under pressure, that if a company sends you an email or someone wants to do, you know, make, make a calendar or do an event for you, whatever it might be, they're offering to help. But usually the offer to help is very sincere, but in practice, the idea or the suitability of that funding stream or that kind of event or that company just doesn't make sense for your charity generally or for your fundraising priorities as well. And I think one of the hardest things some fundraisers experience is the ability to say no 
firmly but politely acknowledging the good intention but for this reason we're we're not able to take this idea forward at the moment it sounds like quite a small thing but actually the ability to get good at a the decision making and but b the skill of nipping those in the bud makes a massive difference to to being able to spend time on the two or three fundraising priorities that really are strategically sensible for you at the moment absolutely yeah and i think this is just such a powerful tool to to help you kind of tick all of the things you were just saying it gives you a system to to hone in to focus but also to handle conversations whether internally or externally about focus and where you as a fundraiser should be spending your time and in the context of mind food maybe it's not appropriate to mention the name of any funders but uh, I, I i get a sense that this has really paid off yeah so you know ha- having a day a week of, of fundraising you, you really have to make your, your time count and last year you know this, this definitely is by no means a typical year but we had a hundred percent success rate in trust applications um and I think part of that is because we only really applied to organisations where we knew there was such a good fit. There was, you know, the warmth of the relationship was so strong. So thinking of uh, City Bridge, um, we looked at them as a corporate prospect and thought, you know, strategic fit, there are five. They specifically interested in funding greening initiatives in London. You can't get a better fit than that. The warmth of relationship was probably a five. Uh, they'd funded us previously. Um, they'd also uh, supported us on getting a new uh, video uh, for, for the charity. So it felt like we had a really good relationship there. Um, in terms of our capacity to apply, the application form for a three-year funding um, pot was, was relatively straightforward. So that scored high. Capacity to, live, to deliver uh, scored high because we were asking for funding for a programme that we were already delivering. So quite quickly, you can see this prospect seems like our ideal prospect. And so we need to invest a good amount of time into making sure that we're successful with it. And presumably there will have been ones that seemed before a closer look really enticing. But if they were only scoring one or two in a couple of those five things that really set off warning signs for you to not to get tempted by the, the, the pull of the shiny bit that seems so good? Yeah, and I think, you know, some of those criteria can sometimes, you could even put more emphasis on some other than others. So, you know, if the warmth of relationships not strong, actually that's quite a big factor that you might want to double the points on, for example. So, yeah, there, there's been some prospects where because we were going in completely cold, it just felt actually we might not be the most likely organisation to benefit from this. Similar around strategic fit. I think that and warmth of relationship are probably most often your most important criteria. And I guess just one sort of final point on this area is if you're starting to do fundraising in a specialism that isn't your, hasn't been your kind of experience, as trust and, and statutory funding was for me, Something I've found really helpful is just to find experts in that field. So Ben Swartz's wife, Amy, I was introduced to, who then introduced me to a mentor who's an expert in trust and foundations. And they were quite quickly able to help me 
hone in on which trusts and foundations might be more likely to fund mine food. And in a similar vein, I also did the same in terms of when MindFood were looking at trying to get funding from local authorities, I found a mentor who had experience in commissioning. So, you know, look look for those experts in those fields, try and find a mentor, even if it's not a mentor, have conversations with people who are experts in the field that you're focusing on. And that's always super helpful. Yeah. What, what good advice, Kieran. Not just one mentor, throughout our career the skill sets we're needing are forever evolving aren't they and to be on the lookout for whatever your new thing is you need to start getting good at to work out who out there might know someone who could just help me out think think this through so i do this this new thing with the help of someone who's ahead of me in that area Hey, it's Rob, and I thought I'd jump in really quickly in case you'd like to get a deeper level of training and coaching support than is possible in these short podcast episodes. If so, a couple of options to think about are firstly, our Bright Spot Members Club, which is our training and inspiration site for fundraisers of all disciplines. And secondly, our two flagship mastery programs in corporate partnerships and major gift fundraising, which will start again in the autumn of 2022. But rather than have me explain them, I thought it would be most interesting if you could hear from a fundraiser named Pippa about how the Learning Club and the Corporate Mastery Programme have helped her. I've been a member of Bright Spot Members Club for a couple of years now and also attended Rock's Mastery course. It's been amazingly helpful for me all the way through. Uh, had lots of different things to, to juggle um, as I've been going and uh, I was new to, to the role a couple of years ago. So having the Members Club and all the resources on the Members Club there to refer to and to help me and to help my confidence was amazing. It's been it's been a huge source of support for me. You know, sometimes fundraising can be a bit of a lonely world, especially if you work for a small fundraising team. People have different areas of expertise. Uh, having uh, that resource to, to, to go to, to to give you inspiration and to help you out and to grow your confidence is, is huge. Um, but also having that community and the chance to meet other amazing fundraisers who are probably going through the same challenges as you um, and that you can bounce your, your ideas off is, is absolutely key. If you'd like to hear more about the Bright Spot Members Club, our corporate and major gifts master programs, or our team training days, go to brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. For now, let's get back to the interview with Kieran, as he talks about the benefits to MindFood of deliberately seeking out partnerships with larger, more established organisations. So it became quite clear to us that in terms of long-term funding for MindFood, statutory, so you know, working with local authorities or the NHS was going to be an important part that we'd need to crack in terms of long-term funding. But we wouldn't, MindFood as a small charity, wouldn't be in a position to apply for the, the contracts that local authorities and, and the NHS were, were offering. And so I thought, well, <clears throat> how could we get ourselves into uh, a partnership with a bigger brand, a bigger organisation, and be a key part of, of what they're delivering? And it kind of felt quite obvious to me that, you know, Mind, as a leading mental health charity, uh, would would be an awesome partner to to, to work with. Uh, mind have a federated structure, so they have lots of local mind groups. Um, so we partnered up with Mind in West London, and we worked together on a, a bid 
um, to Ealing Council for four years of funding and, and, and was successful with that. And that's something MindFood wouldn't have been able to win by ourselves, partly because of our size, but also the credibility that having a brand like Mind added to the bid and their, you know, their, their knowledge, expertise, it just felt like a, a much stronger partnership together. I guess the other interesting thing from a fundraiser's perspective is if you can partner with slightly bigger brands, they also have a bit more fundraising resource. So you can make your fundraising time and capacity go that bit further because you can plug into their fundraising resource. Yes, that makes sense, Kieran. And you've given such interesting fundraising techniques today that may be answerable for every small startup charity. But if someone is in that situation, they're fairly early on in this game and there's some fundamentals they should have on a checklist in terms of finding funders. What are a couple of the things that really early on at Mindford you made sure you were doing? Yeah, so I think there's like three practical things that, that fundraisers can do. Firstly, I'd encourage you to link in with your local CVS and they're the local organisation that represent the voluntary sector and they can help you plug into um, funding that's available locally and also possibly support on helping you with your funding applications as well. The second thing would be around utilising fundraising portals. So there's paid for ones that are available, but there are also some great free ones like Charity Excellence, where you can you know, run a search criteria and find funders that, that fit your organisation. And then the thirds would be around social media. So start following organisations that you're interested in or people who are talking about the topic that you're interested in. So a good example is I found out about Lush, um, the retailer, had a, a new mental health fund called I Am Whole, and that was through following them on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, social media, funding portals and, and CVS are great tools to find funders. That's brilliant. And there, there was one other thing that you mentioned near the beginning of the other episode that really, again, fits into this criteria. It was just really early on some sensible, doable things. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really good tactic that if you're looking for funders look at similar organisations to your organisation, look at their charitable accounts. And within their charitable accounts, they normally list the trusts and foundations and corporates that support them. And if they support them, it's a good indication they might be interested in, in your organisation too. Mm. Great ideas. Okay. Thank you so much, Kieran, for sharing all these really helpful tactics. I'd just like to get clear on a couple of things if people are interested in mind food and what it stands for or getting involved with its services and those things how would they find that yeah so visit mindfood's website uh, www.mindfood.org.uk and we're on facebook instagram linkedin twitter fabulous and i know that you now work for yourself you do consultancy for nature focused good causes if someone is Anyway, is interested in following up on anything you've said today, can they just get in touch? And specifically in, in terms of seeking your advice on those things, how would they get in touch? Yeah, best way is probably through LinkedIn. So it's Kieran, C-I-A-R-A-N, begins. Uh, and yeah, drop me a message and be very happy to chat. 
So I hope you enjoyed our discussion. If so, and you've not yet subscribed, do remember to subscribe today so that you don't miss out on all the other episodes we've got coming up. If you'd like to see a full transcript and a short summary of the episode, go to the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. And just before I finish, I wanted to ask for your help as I search for stories for a special episode I'm planning. As you may be aware, for years now, I've found that one of the best ways to help fundraisers get new ideas, and in particular, ideas that you're most likely to actually implement, is to seek out and share real examples of fundraising success, as opposed to offering sensible advice without the examples. And in the two and a half years since I launched the podcast, I've been so happy to hear from lots of listeners who've told me that these episodes have helped them in their fundraising. And so, if this doesn't sound too meta, I've decided I'd really like to keep the cycle going and share some of these examples back in turn to you. So I've decided to create a special episode sometime soon focused on listeners' stories of fundraising success. So to summarise, if you can think of an example of some fundraising that you're pleased with that was in any way helped or inspired by this podcast, I would love to hear from you. And although I can't promise I'll have time to share every story, I would anyway really appreciate the chance to see these examples and will be ever so grateful for any that you do send through, as knowing that the shows are helping is ultimately what drives me to keep plugging away to create this free content for the fundraising community. So if you'd like to help and you'd like to find out more, go to the show notes for episode 97 on the podcast section of my website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk, follow the link and briefly jot down the gist of your fundraising success story. Now, just before I finish, I wanted to say that if you enjoyed today's episode, then I'd be incredibly grateful if you'd take a moment to share it on with anyone who you think might find it useful so that we can get this free content out to as many people as possible. And we'd love to hear what you think about this episode. Kieran and I are both on LinkedIn and you can find me on Twitter at at woods underscore Rob. Finally, thank you for listening today. Best of luck with your fundraising. And I look forward to sharing more bright spot ideas and examples with you very soon.